You're listening to SuperPod, Road to One Million, presented by SuperOps.ai, where we ask top MSP owners what it's like in the trenches and what does it take to build a million-dollar MSP. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of SuperPod, Road to One Million. I'm Radhika Nair. I head content at SuperOps.ai. I'm thrilled to be speaking with Jonathan Sheldon, president of Boston-based FlightPath IT, uh, which offers managed IT services for small and medium businesses in greater Boston and beyond. FlightPath IT started in 2016 and offers everything from cloud backups and help desk to technology consulting and IT security. We are going to be uh, talking to Jonathan about how FlightPath IT took to the air from MSP to MSSP. Welcome, Jonathan. So glad you could join me today for this episode. Thanks, Radhika. Thanks for having me. So I wanted to understand everything about FlightPath IT. We are talking, uh, you know, this entire series is about how MSPs can scale, can grow, can grow to that one million milestone. And I wanted to understand from you, you know, how you started FlightPath IT and how you have scaled up your journey so far. Sure, absolutely. I've been... uh... I've been in the MSP industry for about 16 years, uh, the last six uh, with FlightPath IT. Prior to that, I was at a, another MSP in the Boston area uh, called Skyrope, and Skyrope was sort of a pioneer of the MSP model in Boston. And um, along the way, some of the partners at Skyrope just decided they wanted to move on to uh, some other things. And so my current partner, Tom, and I decided we wanted to stick with MSP type services and, and the clients we had. So we worked out a deal where we were able to take the clients on from Skyrope and we started our own shingle. We you know, started FlightPath IT. Uh, the idea was that you know, FlightPath IT helps you navigate the cloud. So we wanted to take on businesses as clients that were moving toward the cloud and, and were unsure of how to do that. Uh, as, as we've grown, we sort of have tripled the, uh, the business in that time. Um, and it's just been a lot of hard work, but also a lot of being deeply uh, embedded in the trends of the of the industry and, and being, you know, listening to what people talk about on, on message boards and paying attention. Right. And I also wanted to get a sense of, you know, now that you look back now, it's been a few years since you started FlightPath IT. What would you say uh, to MSPs who are starting out today or who are just in the early days of their, uh, you know, starting journey? What are the things that they should keep in mind? What is it? What are the essentials of starting an MSP? I think the essentials, one of the things that we've had in mind the whole time is sort of the end goal. What is the end state we want to get to? Um, I eventually would like to sell this company. I, I have a, uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun building it and working in it. Um, but my goal is to eventually get to a place where we're comfortable selling it and I can move on to some other things. My business partner, Tom, I love him. He's a brilliant man and he's a, he's a little bit older than me and I think he's closer to retirement than I am. And so I think we'd like to get there and then maybe move on to other aspects of career or move on to something else. So right from the start, we've had a, an end goal in place. And I think that's important to have. Um, another aspect we like to tout is, is trying to move away from um, working in the business so that we can work on the business. And that really only comes through um, getting to a point where you have automation in place or you have employees to take over those tasks uh, I, I started out as an engineer. I've, I've been an engineer most of my career, and it's only in the past six years where I've been moving on to wearing other hats, and uh, it's been a really enjoyable thing, something that six years ago I never thought I'd want to be doing, 
Um, but I find that it's much more enjoyable now than I ever thought it would be. So you want to be able to build, build yourself to a place, have employees that are handling the day-to-day -day engineering. Great. Great. And that's, that's a very important point. And, and the point that, you know, you need to have an end goal in mind when you start. So goal yes. setting, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Also, I believe you've had a lot of nerve wracking moments in your uh, careers in, in the last few years, right? What are the, uh, oh no, we are going to shut things down with this moments that you've had? Well, certainly a, um, a formative moment for us is uh, actually dating to about eight or nine years ago, even before we started Flight Path IT, um, we had a, a, a law firm client, sort of a prominent national uh, law firm. Um, they got hit with ransomware uh, four times in a month, four different ways it came in. Their uh, file server got ransomed um, four different times. Luckily, we had really great backups, so we were able to get them up and running each time, uh, you know, within a matter of, you know, hours. But, um, you know, at that point, it was just a scary thing. We hadn't really heard of ransomware before that. It was just uh, becoming a thing. Right. And, and so we sat down and decided, you know, we have to figure out a way to um, stop this in the future because we can't be having our clients, or especially our best clients, uh, being hit with ransomware because we'll just be spending all our time cleaning up ransomware and losing the clients that way. So we sat down and, and tried to research, um, you know, the best way to protect against ransomware. And, um, you know, we've, we've taken many, many steps over the years, but it's sort of an evolved process. But one thing we did was um, back then you could subscribe to something called the Ransomware Pre Prevention Kit, which was um, uh, published by Third Tier um, and the great folks at Third Tier. And we were able to subscribe to that and start deploying the features of it, which is, you know, locking down certain aspects of Windows and, you know, that has slowly evolved over the years. We now have a six-point system that we, we deploy for clients that has to do with, you know, having a ransomware canary on endpoints, having uh, next-gen antivirus with XDR, uh, having application uh, zero trust protection through ThreatLocker, uh, along with, you know, the basic principle of least access. Um, you want to make sure that people are not admins on their computers and not have, you know, access to files that they shouldn't have access to on the network or on the cloud. Uh, and, you know, knock on wood, I, I have to say, since that uh, initial time, eight or nine years ago, we have not had any clients hit with any ransomware at all. And, um, you know, I know there's some luck involved with that, but it also has been some, some aspect of planning and, and just making sure that we're doing what's in the best interest of our clients. Right. And I wanted to understand this as well. You know, you, you have done that transition to being security focused, right? So I wanted to understand that a lot of MSPs do offer security as part of their multiple services and products, right? So what's the key difference between say an MSP and an MSSP? Where, how, how do you differentiate that? Is that something that you've consciously taken that decision? Are your offerings very, very primarily security focused? How, how do you, uh, you know, differentiate yourself from say somebody who offers multiple other services, but how do you position yourself as a security focused? MSP? Certainly, I wouldn't say we're an MM, or we're not an MSSP. We're sort of a, a security first MSP where security is our main focus because it really has to be these days. I think if you are starting an MSP, you have to be well-versed on 
you know, the potential threat vectors. You don't have to be an expert uh, by any means on, on every single way uh, a threat could come in, but you, you do need to know in general how to, um, you know, how, what the bad guys are after and, and how to potentially protect against that. We started out, you know, we were backups to network monitoring. We were providing backups to network monitoring to small and large businesses in the Boston area. Um, it worked out really well. In fact, we had a, at our old business, my, my partner sort of had uh, envisioned, um, you know, appliances and cloud, sort of something that, you know, clients, companies like Data and Axiant do now. It never took off for that business, but um, that's what it was. It was, it was backups and network monitoring, but, you know, the turning point for us was when we hit, had that ransomware incident eight or nine years ago, where we did start realizing we had to focus more on security products because we, we know that it's, it's only gaining traction, it's only growing, it's a trillion dollar industry, um, you know, in, in terms of, of cybercrime. Um, so we just wanted to be well up, you know, well-versed and educated on all the potential threat vectors. And, and to do that, you know, I'm sort of plugged in on Facebook, on Reddit, um, uh, in, in MSP forums like uh, the Tech Tribe, um, in order to just be you know, up on all the trends. Um, we look at a lot of security products that come, come and go. Um, we, don't, we don't necessarily trust, you know, buy everything or, or uh, look at every single thing, but I think it's important to protect the endpoints, protect the um, mail and, and communications level. And then also um, a third leg of that is you know, being able to educate the employees or the end users uh, about potential threats. So if you have a way to uh, subscribe to a service that um, you know, allows you to deploy you know, micro trainings or, or small cybersecurity trainings to your clients and users, uh, that's a great way to help protect them is, is, is involving everybody in, in the solution. Got it. And so what I'm hearing is that as an MSP, you need to have a really strong cybersecurity package or plan for your clients. That's something, and, and that's something that you need to constantly work on. It's not something that, you know, you're, you know, done in one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's something that we, we're probably adding two to three, you know, important cybersecurity products every year uh, since the, over the six years we've been doing this. Wow. Um, you know, we do several things for ransomware protection. We do uh, application protection. One thing we're really getting big into right now is zero trust networking uh, and VPNs. We've always had VPN service, but now we're getting to a point where we're with people are working from home. Uh, you know, it's obviously with people who have been working from home for two years um, where we're trying to protect all the endpoints uh, the best way we can. Got it. And I, I wanted to understand that beyond uh, ransomware, what are the other things that you do? Say, say the top three things that you do to uh, ensure that your customers feel they are secure. Absolutely. So um, we, we do um, dark web uh, protection. So we have a dark web scanning and alerting solution and we have identity protection. Um, we actually use a, a service through Barracuda called Barracuda Sentinel, um, which does mail protection using AI and machine learning, but also does identity protection. And that has saved our bacon a couple of times. Uh, for sure. We had a client um, who we had just started with. They are using Microsoft 365, but not at the time, we're not using multi-factor authentication. 
and we recommended they roll it out, but they didn't roll it out right away. They started rolling it out, but there was a lot of resistance from the, uh, the sea level on that because they didn't want to be bothered with it. Um, and, and they actually ran into a problem with this. There was a, um, a breach of MyFitnessPal. Um, so I think this was about three years ago. Uh, there was a breach of MyFitnessPal. And unfortunately, one of the employees at this company was using uh, her, her, work personal, her work email with her MyFitnessPal account. And she happened to use the same password at MyFitnessPal that she used for her work email. Uh, obviously, that's a huge no-no. Um, so as soon as this MyFitnessPal breach became available, um, someone started attacking her, her work email and they actually got in. The Barracuda Sentinel was able to alert us within five minutes of this person uh, being um, breached. Uh, and so we were able to alert within five minutes, shut down her account. Um, and we only later found out from the dark web alerting, maybe 45 minutes later, that her credentials had been exposed in this breach. And so we were able to use both of those technologies in order to prevent a major thing, a major problem for this client. They did have a minor problem because the person was in for about five minutes. We're not quite sure you know, everything they were able to touch. So we had to then spend about three weeks remedying that and uh, going through the person's mail and documents to make sure there was no potential PII exposure. Um, but overall, the Barracuda Sentinel products saved our bacon. And uh, you know, there's many products out there that do that. I'm not necessarily an evangelist for you know, any specific thing, uh, but you do wanna have those things so you can protect every single angle. There's, there's many angles that they can come in. So you wanna make sure you have multiple backups, multiple ways of protecting identities and, and endpoints. Got it. And I also wanted to understand now, you know, looking at the, uh, you know, people and the business side of things, right? When you have something like this, there is, of course, the tech part of it, where there are all these tools that are available now to ensure that, you know, if not prevention, at least an immediate reaction is available and you are able to protect the systems and networks. But how do you manage your people and technicians so they are always alert, they're always on that lookout, they always wear that, you know, security hat? Yes, um, we do a lot to uh, get folks in the team educated. We're not a big company. We have six employees currently. We're hoping to get to be nine employees by the end of the year. Um, but we do several things. So first of all, I'm really big on having people go to conferences. We're sending two of our team to the Connect IT conference in June. We're sending two people to DattoCon in September. We're sending two people to IT Nation in November. I think those conferences run by the big players are very important for you know, learning trends, uh, meeting colleagues and vendors, and you know, also having a little bit of fun because you wanna have you know, fun and make, keep people engaged, keep wanting to come back and keep working for you. Um, so we're really big on that. We also do um, send people to roadshows and trainings with our vendors. So we use uh, PAX8, for example, we have people go to their um, their boot camps um, and learn, you know, more about the products that Pax8 sells, like Microsoft uh, 365, and how best to you know protect our clients using that service. Um, we're also very encouraging people to further their career. So, you know, if people want to go for certifications for Microsoft, we would definitely be in favor of that and help them by you know help, helping them pay for that. Um, 
and you know, for myself personally, I'm just really tuned in on forums. Uh, I probably spend a little too much time on Facebook and, and these forums and stuff, but uh, it's mostly in terms of learning. I've just learned so much just by being a fly on the wall, contributing a little bit, but just like when people go in and, and talk about problems they're having and how other people have solved it and getting all these perspectives, it's a really great free resource to just learn about what's going on and, and, and figure it out. There's also great podcasts out there uh, to listen to. Um, I'm not really a podcast listener myself. I, I, I don't travel a lot, so I'm not, I'm not in cars or anything a lot. But um, so I, I really like to learn by reading, but I know a lot of people learn by listening as well. True. And um, also one of the other things related that I wanted to understand about was on cyber insurance, because that's something that a lot of MSPs have a you know, number of questions on. I wanted to get your views and, you know, what's your advice? Did you say cyber insurance? Yes. Cyber insurance. Yes. We have uh, cyber insurance through our insurance company. Um, it's something that I, I don't spend a lot of time on, but it's something that we definitely want to have protection for uh, probably two years worth of revenue. Um, so if we have, you know, whatever we earn in one year, we want to protect double that uh, with our cyber insurance. And we want to make sure we have a really good policy to cover ourselves, cover anything that might happen to our clients. But we're also uh, asking our clients to make sure their cybersecurity policies are up to date. And we help them with that because we're providing them the services that help satisfy the insurance company's requirements. Um, we're, we're moving into uh, compliance and, and getting uh, clients that have compliance needs. And so that helps going along with that. We can't do everything. So we're looking at a partner to help us with the compliance aspect. Um, you know, we have an employee in-house who's actually um, uh, a SIP, a certified information privacy uh, professional. Um, and she in the past has worked for insurance companies. So she's a great resource for us, but you know, not everybody has that. So I think, you know, definitely find yourself a partner that has uh, expertise in that area would be a, a great way to introduce that to your clients. Um, I do know that cyber insurance rates have just skyrocketed. Ours tripled this year. Wow. Um, yeah, the, the cost tripled. And that's with, you know, a, a perfect track record, really good, solid contracts, uh, you know, no history of claims. It's just the way the industry has gone that these cyber insurance companies have gotten beat up so bad over the past five years paying out ransoms that they're just not going to do it anymore. And you're not going to win against an insurance company if they're denying your claim. So that's something you don't do want to lock down. Got it. Got it. That, that's really good advice. And um, so if somebody today wants to start, say, an MSP, which is focused on cybersecurity and focused on security offerings, what do you suggest that they focus on? What do you suggest that they keep in mind as they start? Yeah, at the start, um, you're sort of just learning and trying to take on whoever you can. So the main thing is you want to protect yourself first. So I would make sure that you, you know, prioritize looking at insurance, but also prioritize having a good solid contract. There's a lot of resources out there that provide, um, you know, templated you know, contracts for MSPs. Uh, Carl um, Polachik has a book that talks about it, uh, service agreements for MSPs. We subscribe to a service called Seven Figure MSP, which provides you know, a full, you know, really vetted contract. It's always kept up to date. Um, it's genericized because you, know, you could be, there's different laws in different areas of the country, but 
you can then take that to your lawyer and say, please use this as a starting point to make sure that you are protected. Yes, it is a big investment, but it's, it's one of the best, best investments you can make for your business because, you know, one wrong move and, you know, a, a client could sue you or, or, you know, put you out of business. So this is what's protecting you. What should you look for when you're hiring your first technician? That's a good question. I, our first hire was not a technician. Our first hire was a project manager um, because my, my partner and I were really strong on the technician side. We we're both third level, third tier uh, service support. So we wanted somebody to help, help us organize our business and help us organize our projects. The first technician we hired uh, was someone who um, didn't have a lot of experience, but we knew it was somebody that we could help train. So I'd say the number one thing to look for in a, a new uh, tech employee is just someone who's willing to learn and, and, and coachable. Great. And what was the biggest uh, biggest challenge that you faced as an MSP and how did you overcome that? My biggest challenge as an MSP is uh, just being able to talk to people. Uh, uh, you know, I've traditionally been sort of an introvert. Um, you know, once I'm comfortable with somebody, I can be conversive with them. But just going out and meeting new people and trying to uh, talk about my business and what we do, that's been a big hurdle. I, even to this day, uh, even though I'm well-versed in it now, I still have problems describing exactly what my business does to a layperson. Uh, and, and sometimes I sort of talk myself in a circle with that. So if you can get yourself uh, prepared with an elevator pitch a minute long, uh, where you can just you know give the very high level highlights of what your business does and how it helps other businesses, that's a, a really good start. Yeah, I think you are now a pro at this. <laughs> well, I'm not a pro, but I'm, I'm hoping to Getting get there. <laughs> sure. And one channel that has moved the growth needle for you. Uh, can you repeat that? One channel that has moved the growth needle for you, something that has driven growth for you. What has, what, uh, has gr driven growth is definitely the rash of cybersecurity uh, concerns. Um, you know, a lot of our clients, we've had been able to double and triple uh, what they pay us over the years just because we've added on services. So if you have a nice stack of cybersecurity protection suite uh, services, uh, that's, that's the way to go. You might not sell everything to everybody all at once, but if you're well-versed in it and you're doing what you're supposed to do with meeting with them regularly, showing them what they need and what they don't have currently, that's the best way to, to, to uh, grow you know, growing with your existing clients as opposed to, you know, obviously you want to bring in new clients as well, but growing with your existing clients is the best way. So on a related note, how did you bag your first client? Um, our, our first client we got through a referral. We, we've grown only through word of mouth. We don't do advertising or marketing currently. We have dabbled in the past, in the past but it hasn't worked out yet for us. It's something that we don't haven't concentrated on, but pretty much every client we've had has been a referral. Uh, we do have some agreements with sales folks uh, who don't work for us. But for example, uh, we've gotten several clients from a, a person who sells telecom. And when he goes in and sells telecom, he recognizes the need for uh, IT services and he's brought us in. I have to say we've been you know, lucky, but also smart. Um, a lot of the clients we talk to are businesses that are, have never had uh, IT services before. And they're not actually talking to any of our competitors. So in a lot of cases, um, it's just been us and, and us driving the conversation 
And that sort of allows us to set our, our own price as well, because we're not competing against somebody. And I'm not sh I'm sure that not everybody's running into that, but for some of, you know, for us, it's sort of been working out that way. And so I, you know, it's, it's a little bit of luck as well. Sure. And um, if you had to start over again today, knowing all that you know now, what is the, what is the one thing that you would change? I would, I would uh, not concentrate so much on what tools we use uh, to deliver services, but just making sure we're delivering the service properly. There's so many hundreds of tools out there that you can get lost in. Um, and you don't need to choose every single one or stick to any sing single thing. So it's not necessarily about the tools that you use, but the service you deliver because the tools come and go. So I would say, don't, uh, you know, don't worry about any specific tool. I, I see a lot of people on the Facebook forums and the, and the forums out there, like wondering what's the best RMM. The, there's no such thing as the best RMM. They're all the same. They all have different strengths, different weaknesses. You might you know, look at one or two, but in, in general, they're all gonna be doing the same thing for you in the end. So don't put a lot of worry or a lot of stock into which one is the best. What's your one piece of advice to an MSP that is currently struggling to make revenue? You're currently struggling to make revenue. Um, you should look to potentially partner with another MSP. Um, you might be able to strike a deal where you're helping them with their clients or vice versa. Uh, we have a partnership with uh, a company in Connecticut, um, which is about a 150 mile drive for us. Uh, they have a client in the Boston area where we're the hands on the ground for them and vice versa. We have a client in Connecticut that we're hoping to have them be boots on the ground for us. So if you have, uh, if there's other MSPs in the area, there's other colleagues, don't think of those people as competitors. Think of them as, you know, friendly rivals uh, that can help you uh, just as much as they hurt you. We've struck, a, a, you know, a lot of great friendships with them as other MSPs in our area. And, you know, we might do something better than them or vice versa. So I, you know, don't think of other people as, as your rival. I think the, 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 end, the end goal here is we all want to build up the business. So we're all doing better. And I, you know, 95% of the people I come across have the same mentality. Great. Um, I'm done with my questions, Jonathan. Anything that you think could add value, anything that we haven't covered or touched upon? Yeah, I, you know, we touched on it a little bit, but I think that end user training, end user education um, is really one of the ultimate ways to protect clients. And so if there's any way you can do that, whether it's your in-house training, going in and specialty training, you can charge for that. People will pay for it because they want it. So anything you're doing right now, start thinking about ways you can best train your clients, employees, and uh, that goes a long way. Great. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I, I think this was a great conversation. I'm really happy that you were part of uh, this episode of Superpod Road to One Million. This is Radhika Nair signing off. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Radhika.